you, well, don't, you don't need you don't need sugar you don't need to jack your insulin up really well i mean you know if we want to talk about muscle protein synthesis you're probably familiar with this but we know the data on muscle protein synthesis is basically around obviously resistance training you know consistent with that uh adequate protein and then beyond that it's just caloric caloric intake and so anyway you can get your calories any way you want them whether it's fat protein or carbs uh you can you can do that so carbohydrates don't provide any more they don't provide any more insulin that, that you would need other than what protein already does so it doesn't provide any additive benefit some people argue that carbs may fuel you differently so that you might have more energy to train but i would argue once you're you know pretty fat adapted your training is pretty much pretty solid for the most part What's up, podcast? Welcome to episode 101 of the SupersetYourLife.com podcast. This is still your weekly dose of entertainment, education, and inspiration to fuel your life inside and beyond the gym. We got Sean Baker on this episode, so this is probably going to be one of our quick introductions for that reason. A couple announcements before we jump in. First one is apologies on the monthly episode, I guess you could call this one. It's been a few weeks. We've been extremely busy, had a lot going on. If you've been following us on YouTube and on social media, just got back from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I competed, Melanie competed, one of our clients. We had a ball. All of that is going to be documented. We're going to be sharing it on YouTube. Uh, we also toured Dr. Fit and Fabulous's new facility, their new gym with her husband, Ben. Absolutely had a blast. Uh, we talked about that a little bit about our plans around getting together um, on our last episode with Dr. Fit and Fabulous herself, Dr. Jamie Seaman. So please make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, Skull Bells TV, if you are not already for that reason as well. Okay, so first thing that we're gonna jump into is a new product announcement. Um, Dr. Sean and I talked about this a little bit on the interview, but um, he's a big fan of Redmond Real Salt. So I thought this would be perfect timing to talk about Redmond Real Salt. <laughs> um, and there's not a lot to share really other than it's on our website. Um, you can get a 10% off discount code and check out, you'll see it pop up on the website. If you haven't been to our website lately, actually it, everything is on supersetyourlife.com. You'll be blown away. There's a lot of new supplements, a lot that we have on our website now that we haven't even had time to announce. I'm holding in my hand right now something really, really cool. So if you're listening, you won't be able to see it, which means you need to go to our YouTube channel, which is where all the action really is. Um, but I'm holding ancient sea salt crystals. Check this out. <laughs> uh, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, Jamie Seaman, just such a wonderful person inside and out. Really, really is. She is so unbelievably generous, so real, so down to earth. Um, despite how well known she is and how much she's and what she's accomplished with her life. But um, <laughs> she but she gave me these that I definitely had to pack home on the plane. Zion and I packed them on the plane, by the way. Um, but this is this, this is straight from the mine. I'm holding in my hand right now crystals. They're basically big blocks of salt. Uh, so you could lick them or eat them like a cow, I guess. Uh, for me, it's more of a novelty. I'm not even going to open this thing. If you can't tell, our salt obsession has been increasing <laughs> um, throughout the last several weeks. So um, Celtic Sea Salt, Redmond Real Salt, both excellent products. Can't go wrong with either of them. But yeah, um, we, we do resell Redmond Resalt, um, the fine ground. We're going to be adding kosher very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. The kosher cut is a nice one. It allows you to um, 
finish your foods. It's made for curing, but I like to have it just on top of my foods as a finisher. It adds a little bit of a nice crunch and a texture to it. On the subject of Redmond as well, um, we are fully stocked in Relight products. So their customer service is phenomenal. So if I'm happy whenever I talk about Redmond Real Salt, that probably has something to do with it. My personal favorite flavor is Pina Colada that is in stock currently. So you can just go to our supplement tab. You'll be able to find it right there. And I'll put a link in the description in the show notes too, just so that you can get to it a little bit quicker in case you forget. Uh, but yeah, Pina Colada um, is, my, is my favorite flavor. Um, and the reason that we chose to go forward with Relight, we, we interviewed about five or 10 different companies, about a half dozen, um, supplement companies in the area of electrolytes in an effort to find ways for us and for our clients to be able to up their potassium intake right so when it comes to potassium relight is superior it's better that i'm not going to name the rest of our competitors uh, the, the rest of their competitors but this is the one that we've been the happiest that our clients have been the, in the happiest that have been the happiest with um within our private facebook group so we took a vote and this is what we all decided on realized okay and then the pre-workout that they have is very very good the pre-workouts that we've had before um are we, we still have them by the way so if you're a fan of esp by metabolic nutrition and if you're a fan of um, esp extreme which is the hardcore version of it both of those are pretty hefty in the caffeine so in an effort to have something that's more of an everyday pre-workout this one has been great. Taylor loves it. I love it. And my personal favorite flavor is blueberry lemonade. There's only 150 milligrams of caffeine in it. It's got some BCAAs in it and it's got the, um, and, it, and it's got all of the electrolytes that you will find in the straight up electrolyte supplement. So definitely want to check that one out too. Okay. And then the last product that I wanted to announce is on the subject of pre, pre-workouts, actually, I thought this would be a good segue, but ESP, that is Energy Stimulant Pre-Workout. This is by Metabolic Nutrition, also available on our website, supersightlife.com. In the past, we've had blue raspberry and apple flavors. Those are our two top sellers, but we just added watermelon, and it is by far my favorite. Everybody that has tried it and compared it to the other flavors say, say that they like the watermelon flavor better as well. Uh, my favorite thing about this pre-workout is it gets you in the zone, very, very much in the zone mentally. And it's also, for whatever reason, a very, very good appetite suppression. So if you're somebody that likes to eat a lot of food, like me, uh, that's that's a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, unless you're on contest prep. <laughs> so um, I've had my days where I've been extremely hungry the last couple of months, having done two shows now. I'm going to be doing two more before we wrap up the season. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Colt Milton if you don't already. That's at Colt Milton, C-O-L-T-M-I-L-T-O-N. It's my first and last name. Um, I'm going to finish off strong here with a couple shows in the Seattle area. But this pre-workout has been huge for my contest prep um, for that reason, and it tastes great. I'm only taking half of a dose of it too every day. Excuse me, not every day. Whenever I do take it, which is a couple times a week. Again, I like to use the Relight uh, most days and then the Extreme when I really need it. And then this pre-workout is, oh, it's a good one to have two or three times a week. So that's pretty much what I take as far as pre-workouts go. But yeah, you can find that on our website that is also in stock at supersetyourlife.com. 
And that's pretty much it. You got a little bit of a treat here. Before we get into the interview with Dr. Sean Baker, you're going to hear from a very, oh, how should we describe Jarrett? Uh, very animated, <laughs> very encouraging, and uh, very entertaining. I love this guy. He's like a brother. And we are going to be competing together in three and a half weeks at the NPC Northwest State Championships. So that's pretty much it. Going to turn things over to Jarrett right now, and then we're going to hear from Mr. Sean Baker. But we're about a month into it now. Yeah, about a month into your prep, mm -hmm. and we're seven weeks out from the uh, Northwest Natural. That's again, so. I mean, you, that uh, you guys have been guiding me along the way with uh, doing a diet plan, mm -hmm. getting ready for you know stage, um, doing the workout plans. Uh, anytime that I get stuck with uh, or questions that I have on workouts or anything else. Um, you're on call. Yes, but that's one of the things I really like uh, as having you as my trainer slash coach is that you're always there. Well, whether it be through text or calling or social media, uh, you, you always come back to me right away, either way. Thanks. No matter what. I could give you a call and he'll text me or he can give me a call or I'll give him a call and he'll answer me through Messenger on Facebook or something. You know, no matter what, he's always coming back to me. Um, and that's what I like that he guides me along the way and tells me step per step what I need to do to be able to uh, prep out for the show. I have a show coming up uh, November 5th. I'm starting to learn uh, how to pose. Mm -hmm. I've been, we've been, we have hours together of training, of uh, learning how to pose. That's one of the things I've always, always been into working out and everything else uh, in kind of the diet. Uh, I do I do know a thing or two about uh, diet, but I don't know the diet in, when getting ready or prepping out for a show because I've never done that. You know, I've always just been into bulk, bulk, bulk. Right. Um, and so you've really um, opened my mind up to that world. Like I can see my back getting wider. You know, practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Okay. So in uh, just doing that, I can tell with uh my, my back is getting wider at first when we started doing it it wasn't that wide now now when you know i do a pose bam it's out there and, you know wh wh while we're doing the training you're telling me to relax I'm, i get all tense sometimes and it's all about just chill relax take a deep breath and i have to i you know i've learned that you know working with you because you can you know there's times you say okay you're shaking okay calm down you need to chill you know i'm like okay Take a deep breath. So I take a deep breath, and uh, but you walk me through it, and it help and it helps me. The more we do it, I'm getting more confident with it. I appreciate uh, Taylor and you both uh, what you have done for me all the way up from when we started till now. Zion it's looking, been great. Zion looking your face. Is that yeah? You and, and you know it. Did you know Zion's a coach too? <laughs> She's been training me big time. <laughs> She's a good puppy. When we have to come down too hard on somebody as coaches, she's the one. She's the emotional support. She's the one that yeah. makes them feel better. She actually, she'll, she'll be in a room when we're doing training, and she actually calms me down. <laughs> totally, like, it takes that intensity away. That's why you she's know? backstage with me in my shows, bro. <laughs> That's why she's going to oh, Ohio She's with a me. good dog. I love her. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> love, right. love you too, man. It's going to be a heck of a show. Yeah. Uh, you got to follow this guy. His, his Instagram is what? Uh, my Instagram is uh, Jarrett Evermore Dean. If you just look up Jarrett Evermore Dean, 
you will be able to find my Instagram, Jarrett Evermore Dean. Yep, we'll put a link to that in the show notes because this guy's transformation is going to be mind-blowing. We're both doing the same show. You don't want to miss it. you got to follow this guy. And I'm also on Facebook, Instagram and Facebook, under the same name, Jarrett Evermore Dean. Dr. Baker is a father, CEO, international lecturer. He's also an athlete, a professional rugby player, world champion rower, and national record-holding powerlifter. He is a decorated military officer, nuclear weapons launch officer for the United States Air Force, combat trauma surgeon in Afghanistan, and an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, Dr. Baker's focus as of lately has been on how nutrition and lifestyle affect health, disease, and performance, and his advocacy for the carnivore diet has inspired countless people to challenge our flawed nutritional paradigm in favor of living a full carnivore lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sean Baker to the SupersetYourLife.com podcast. Well, hey, thank you. Welcome. Thanks for that nice introduction. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to you know, communicating with your audience. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the whole idea about cutting out the most healthy thing on the planet, right? Vegetables and eating only meat. Uh, What was, what sparked that? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, just, it was a, uh, for me personally, it was just a, a, a way to continue to you know, just, just test things out. You know, I was, you know, like I said, when I started this, I had been already kind of interested in nutrition and seeing how it affected my, both my physical performance and my overall health for about six or seven years. And then I ran across a group of people doing this kind of crazy all meat diet. They were calling it a zero carb diet at the time. And I'd already kind of had experimented with low carb diets in the past. And I said, well, this is really seems strange, but it's worth I just piqued my interest enough to try it and you know as I dabbled into it a little bit you know I did a couple of days here a couple of days there I realized that you know I actually felt pretty good doing this I didn't really nothing bad happened to me uh, when I was trying it and so then eventually I, I sort of got the courage to do it for 30 days and that once I did it for 30 days I was blown away really about how good I felt it's the best I had felt and this is you know just prior to me turning 50 and I was just flabbergasted at how how well I felt and so I continued you know I I did it for 30 days went back to sort of a more you know uh, quote-unquote balanced diet and I immediately felt worse and so I you know I I I really like feeling good so I went back to doing it and now it's been you know coming up on six years later where I've been just kind of plugging away eating you know I think I've had something like five or six thousand steaks in the last and I'm not exaggerating Uh, in the last, you know, five or six years, and, and and that's what I still continue to do today, and and continue to feel good, perform good, and you know, have enjoy very good health. So that's that's kind of where I am. Mm-hmm. When you say that you went back to more of a traditional diet, what did that include? Did it include putting vegetables back in, carbs back in? Yeah, you know, carbs, fruit, you know, fruit, vegetables, a few other, you know, just kind of more typical items, you know, and. You know, I just immediately started to have that digestive stuff and swelling and, and just kind of generalized, you know, joint pain. And I just like, I don't really like feeling this way. So that was, you know, that was my return to that. And I've rarely strayed from this diet. I mean, every once in a while I'll have something off the diet, but it's, I mean, it's, you know, if I look at my overall food consumption over the last six years, 60, you know, six years, 
I can honestly say something like 99.8% of it has been animal products, you know, with, with very rare, you know, maybe a few bits of spices, a rare, you know, a rare piece of fruit, maybe a piece of cake on a kid's birthday or something like that. But I, uh, you know, I, I just like, you know, like I said, I, I, I do for me what makes me feel good. Um, I don't find it boring. I don't find it unsatisfying. In fact, I look forward to every single meal. I had, you know, a couple steaks and a dozen eggs just about two hours ago. And yeah, I feel wonderful right now. I'm going to elevate my feet as per doctor, doctor's orders. Wanted you to know that not, um, I guess, being being rude or anything. So. Okay. You got an injured ankle or something? <laughs> oh, that's very much an understatement. Yeah, no, we have this uh, 800 pound, we have our own gym here at our house and uh, we have this 800 pound piece of workout equipment that uh, my wife and I were moving and I dropped it on my foot and okay. that was two months ago. And uh, it's been a huge yeah. challenge healing it. So seeing weekly doctor checkups and uh, it's getting a little better. Okay, so this vegetable conversation is a perfect segue into Wendy's question from Eveleth, Minnesota, and she would like to ask, any veggies slash fruits to eat only occasionally that will not create any sweet cravings, major sugar spikes? Um, I, I think what she's asking is, um, do you eat foods that aren't animal foods that um, don't trigger you to go off of the carnivore diet and, um, and stay there? Uh, yeah, well, essentially, like I mentioned, you know, I almost rarely ever eat anything that's not meat or eggs and occasionally dairy products. But, um, uh, you know, I guess obviously, you know, if you're going to eat a complex, very fiber rich vegetable, you're going to have less of a blood glucose spike. I mean, we know that's going to happen. Uh, whether it causes digestive issues is another issue for, for many people. And so, uh, you know, again, I, I, I can't say there's one, this fruit is better than that fruit. I think they all have the potential for um, problems for some people where many people may do f fine with them. You know, one of the things that I try to stay away from is absolute dogmatism. You know, I, I, I tell people, hey, this diet is used as a tool to you know, get whatever you want out of it, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, potentially uh, dealing with an autoimmune condition or a gut issue or mental health disorder. And then once you've kind of dealt with that, then it's up to you to where you want to go from there. And people are full of importing other foods, but some don't want to. Some people enjoy uh, the simplicity that this gives them and the freedom. It's, you know, it's very freeing when you're not constantly thinking about food, you know, um, planning food, shopping for food, preparing food. It's, uh, it's so much easier just to, you know, just pull a steak out of the freezer and, you know, <laughs> cook it up. It's a lot easier. So I, I can't, can't point to one that would be better than others. You know, I think, I think, you know, generally, you know, whole unprocessed foods are going to be better than the processed foods and the, you know, certainly the junk foods and, you know, 95% of what we find in the grocery store when you walk around, Anything, anything can sit on the shelf for a year is, you know, undoubtedly not particularly good for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's That's great. Thank you for that. She would also like to add, have you ever added L-glutamine as a supplement to help with any digestive or stomach issues? Uh, I have not personally. And uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have stomach or digestive issues to deal with. So there's no reason to do that. Um, I am, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a lot of people use that quite honestly. It's, I know it's one that's, you know, th there's been, 
different uses for that particular substance. But I, 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 re, I mean, literally, I don't take any supplements outside of some electrolytes. You know, that's that would be my only sort of supplement. Now, you know, I can get that just from salt. So mm-hmm. that's that's my supplement regimen is basically some salt. So that's to me not very extensive. Okay, I am so glad you are talking about salt now because uh, as as of lately, um, we had the owner of Celtic Sea Salt on our show um, a few a few weeks ago, and that that actually triggered quite a bit of um, an exciting journey for us to learn more about salt. And uh, I'm just curious what salts you typically use. I'm guessing maybe something like Redmond sea salt or Celtic, a, a mineral salt. It's high quality, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do use Redmond salt quite quite a bit. I, I you know, I find that um, for me, you know, particularly someone who's pretty athletic and I'm usually working out pretty much every single day. And, you know, particularly when it's when the weather's, you know, warmer, then you sweat more. And so you have to replace that. So I, you know, I kind of salt the taste. I, I don't really have a specific target that I try to hit every day, but I can tell you, you know, and I have a couple, like I use a product called Element, which is a, you know, an electrolyte replacement. It's got sodium, potassium, magnesium mixed in. And um, I usually have, you know, one or two of those, you know, per day, you know, as part of my hydration, you know, cause I, I tend to, you know, drink, Drink a decent amount, and I think that's one thing to be aware of. When you go on a low-carb diet, your hydration requirements can go up. When you go on a high-protein diet, your hydration diet requirements can go up, and certainly a carnivore diet is a combination of both high-protein and low-carb. So in many cases, you'll need to just stay on top of your hydration, and that's that's kind of how I do it. Right. Yeah, that's the first thing we hear, and, and, the, and what I forget to tell all of our clients that we put on the carnivore diet, especially if they're getting – most of their calories from protein if they prefer the high protein approach instead of the high fat approach is they're like i'm thirsty like like i'm drinking twice as much water as i was before <laughs> i'm also curious um we used to live on lmnts over the course of the summer and now we have other electrolyte supplements that we prefer but uh what, what's your what's your favorite flavor of of element they're all good. Uh, I think just the, the, I guess the citrus or the lemon one, that's kind of very basic, you know, mm-hmm. that works fine for me. I'm not, you know, I don't really have a big favorite. I, I don't really worry too much about that. Right on. Okay. This question is from Leah in the United Kingdom. Uh, one of our clients, she would like to ask, is there, where do you see carnivore going in the future? Uh, well, I don't see it going away. I think, you know, too many people have, have had significant benefits. I think we're going to see it going and being actually used as a primary uh, medical intervention for a number of uh, uh, illnesses. You know, I think I think it works wonderful for things like inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. I think it has a unique role in autoimmune diseases in general. Um, so I think we'll see it being utilized even, you know, even in a more mainstream way for, by a lot of physicians. I think it'll be, uh, you know, uh, something that our company, which is, you know, something that I'm very passionate about, Rivero, we will be using carnivore or some version of carnivore and, and other diets too, to be fair, to treat a whole host of, of illnesses. And so I think, you know, we're going to see a general trend towards less pharmaceutical usage and more nutritional therapy uh, for a larger segment of the population, you know, I mean, there's still going to be people that are going to still sort of rely on this allopathic um, system for better or for worse. But I think more and more people are, are discovering that um, 
you know, some of the stuff we've been told and have kind of taken as gospel over the last 50 to 75 years is sort of doesn't make sense anymore. And I think right. a lot of people are frustrated. So I think this will be one of the, one of the tools that'll be utilized for, for that. Um, I think we'll see hopefully a growing, uh, understanding of the value that meat plays in the diet, you know, and, and, you know, and, it, you know, we've always known it as a good source of protein, but I think beyond that, we're going to start seeing where, you know, it has these beneficial effects, not just for getting protein, but all these other nutrients that are in there, the carnitine, the carnison, the, you know, the creatine, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fats that are in there and the fact that it has on all these other health conditions. Going back to your book, that we were talking about before we were, before we hit the record button. Um, I think one of my favorite things about your book is that you explained everything so well, but also so simple, like the carnitine, the creatine, the natural levels of those very, very bioavailable um, minerals that you just listed off. Um, and, and, and all of those nutrients, it's something that like someone like me can understand. You know, I, I don't, I don't have your level of education. I don't have, um, you know, most of the people that we train don't. And so we actually went as far as to buy a big stack of your books just off of Amazon and, uh, and just, and just send them to everybody that we put on the carnivore diet. And I'm like, look, like just read this book first. And then once you got it down, then, you know, that, then, then, your meal plan will make 10 times more sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I wrote, wrote it intentionally with, uh, with the express purpose of, of getting it out there to people that may not have a, a medical background or a scientific background because, it, you know, that's, that's most people. I mean, and while some people are really geek out about all the, the, the sort of detailed, you know, uh, physiology and biochemistry, honestly, a lot of that stuff changes and our understanding of it changes all the time. So, but these general concepts are kind of, you know, they're going to be time honored. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, humans have been eating meat for since the beginning of humanity, however long yeah. that goes back. And uh, I think, you know, like I said, this diet has been utilized literally for centuries for, for health conditions. I'm not the first guy to, to, to start this by any stretch. But, uh, you know, certainly a lot of the modern audience isn't aware of the fact that this is this is not anything new. Uh, it's something that's very, very old, in fact, and it's been very effective. It's always been effective. And it's just sort of, I guess, in the, in the age of the Internet and social media, you can finally reach large populations, you know, large segments of the population, whereas before, very difficult to get, inform- get information out. And even today, as you know, you may understand some of this information still people don't want you to obtain it so they tend to sort of make it difficult to make it more difficult than it needs to be you know with a little bit of censorship and some of that stuff going on yeah absolutely uh brian hillier from edmonton alberta canada what so i so he he says that I always get people asking me because he's a carnivore too. He says, I always get people asking me about clogged arteries from all this meat that I'm eating and all this sodium that I'm eating, uh, high cholesterol levels. And I know that they're thinking mainly LDL, but I feel people overlook and don't really know about the triglyceride levels and what is optimal. I am learning myself and what they are all about. Um, And and there's there's no question mark in this. (laughs) 
and so my question piggybacks off of it, Dr. Baker. Um, I, I get asked about my cholesterol and my, and my, and my blood work all the time, which is uh, very healthy. And so is my resting heart rate. I'm curious as to how you have handled um, criticisms, uh, maybe maybe people asking uh, out of genuine concern about your blood health. What has your experience been? Well, I mean, when we talk, if we want to talk specifically about cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular risk, um, then I think you have to broaden the topic out to you know overall risk. And so when we look at what are the things that put me at risk for cardiovascular disease, some of them are beyond my control. You know, who my parents are, how old I am, the fact that I'm a male, those things I, I can't really change. I, I guess I could identify as a female, but it really wouldn't wouldn't necessarily help me. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we I still have we can joke about that on this show, by the way. I know you live in Seattle, but <laughs> yeah, well, I live outside. I live in North, I live on a rural. I, I'm not in King County, so we're we're still a little more sane here. But, oh, okay, 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 good. But so is you know a whole bunch of things that go into cardiovascular risk, and it's not just about LDL cholesterol, or more specifically, perhaps the ApoB fragment, which is. Uh, what a lot of people tend to focus on a little bit more. Uh, so if we look at, you know, all the things that lead me to have cardiovascular disease, it's inflammation. That's one of the reasons why smoking is so, you know, damaging towards uh, vascular health. So if our inflammation is low, what about glycemic control? Are we well controlled? Do we have prediabetes or diabetes? That's a huge, huge um, risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And so those people that have diabetes are, you know, five, six, seven times more likely to have cardiovascular disease, you know, in certain studies. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned triglyceride HDL ratio. Mm -hmm. Those things are protective. You know, low triglycerides are protective. Higher HDL in some populations are protective. Um, things like um, obesity, you know, just not being obese is hugely protective. And so you've got all these factors that you have to weigh into it. And then one factor, uh, you know, ApoB or LDL cholesterol um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes goes up when people go on a carnivore diet. So the question is, does the LDL go up, exceed the risk of everything else improving, assuming everything else improves? And the answer to that is, you don't really know. I don't really know. The way to sort that out often is just to get imaging. So when somebody tells me, hey, my LDL went up high, I don't tell them to ignore that. You know, some people say, oh, it doesn't matter. I've never been of that sort of belief. And whether it matters or not, I don't really know. I mean, I think many people would argue that, yes, of course it matters. And so I say to be on the safe side, you know, look at your other risk factors. And then depending on your age, you know, you can start looking at damage occurring. Is there any early signs of cardiovascular disease? And if that's the case, then you may want to change things a little bit. But so far, I mean, for the vast majority of people that I've seen, when they do the imaging, it's usually very favorable, you know, even, even despite elevated LDL cholesterol. So, uh, so it's something that, you know, we have people that are, they lose a hundred pounds. They're no longer diabetic. Their blood pressure normalizes, uh, you know, their inflammatory markers drop to zero. Their triglyceride goes very low and yet their LDL may climb up. And I would argue for that person, their overall net risk for cardiovascular disease is likely going down, you know? And so it's one of those things when you myopically focus on one risk factor, um, you know, you maybe lose the forest for the trees. And so some people would say, well, it's great. Everything went down, but you should also work on that risk factor as well. And depending on how you do it, maybe you take a drug. Some people don't want to take the drug. Some other people might say that, well, you know, maybe you should change your diet, but then that might make the other risk factors go back in the worst category. 
So it's, and it's also, you know, again, it's also one of those things where, um, you know, we get a say in this matter, you know, like I said, some people, I've asked many people that have had horrible, horrible health outcome, you know, horrible, horrible health conditions. Maybe they had crippling, uh, anxiety and depression and they couldn't even hold a job or even have a relationship. They go on a carnivore diet and they, for the first time in their life, they feel normal and they can have all these things. And I say, and, and I say, well, what if your heart, your risk for heart disease went up by 20%? They'll literally say, I don't really care. I would rather feel like I do now and, and take that risk than um, live like I used to. And so, you know, you have to put those things into perspective. So how, however, whatever you believe the risk factor is, I mean, you, you know, you have to make your own decisions with that. And so, like I said, if you want reassurance, I think imaging is the best way. You know, I mean, the risk factors are one thing, whether they mean something or not. Some people will vehemently say, yes, it does. Other people will say, we're not sure in this circumstance. Maybe there's some sort of, uh, um, uh, you know, differentiating factor when someone's on a carnivore diet or a low-carb diet and, and is lean and athletic and, you know, everything, low blood pressure and good cardiovascular, you know, VO2 max and things like that. Maybe maybe it's not as problematic. Um, the way to sort that out is usually with imaging. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, no, my, my, my blood pressure has been great ever since I've been on it too. And I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all. But yesterday mine was 135 over uh, 79 for, mm-hmm. for cholesterol levels um, and heart rate was 53 in my doctor's check-in. So, and that's during, a, and that's right after a bodybuilding show. Wow, yeah. On, on the carnivore diet, yep. Speaking of carnivore bodybuilders, I don't know what it is about people in the UK and uh, their questions on the carnivore diet. There seems to be a lot of fans of the diet over there. <laughs> Jonathan Griffiths from Burnamouth would like to ask, during your conversation with carnivore yogi discussing low fat and high fat variations of the carnivore diet, when you mentioned before that you did several days of around a thousand labeled food calories each day, why did you consume 8,000 plus on your refeeds? Couldn't you just have had a, sip, a smaller <laughs> deficit so you didn't have to push to either extreme? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, sure. Certainly I could. You know, it was one of those things I was just experimenting and playing with that stuff. And it was just, you know, the, the uh, like I said, I that was an experiment I did, which I would not repeat, quite honestly. You know, I was just trying to play it. Because I, I, I you know, like if I'm recommending stuff for people, and one of the, and one of the things I was looking at was, you know, looking at the high fat diet, the hypocaloric high fat diet and its ability to modulate blood glucose. And I had super low blood glucose. I was sitting with my blood glucose in the forties and fifties during that period of time. And this is what, this is how they used to treat type one diabetics, um, a hundred years ago. And this, and that was effective. So I said, well, let me just see what happens when you do that. And unfortunately what happened for me was, yes, I had very low blood glucose, but I lost a lot of weight. I lost some lean mass, got down to gosh, under 210 pounds, which I haven't been, that was last time I saw that was in high school. Um, so I was very, very thin. I didn't like it at all. And so, uh, but yeah, the refi days, because I was very, very easy to overconsume calories when they're particularly liquid calories. Uh, and so, you know, as I, I don't recommend that approach to people now, I was just, that was just an anecdote. I was never saying you should do this. In fact, I tell people not to do that. You know, when we do, uh, people like you just mentioned bodybuilding. When I have people that are trying to do a cut, we often have them cycle down and do, you know, kind of fat refeed days, you know, kind of periodically. And it's not 8,000 calories. It may be, 
you know, you put in a two, three hundred extra calories with, with fat compared to, you know, what you would be on your more cutting days. So, okay. Fat refeeds. That sounds familiar. Um, we did quite a few of those because um, th this whole competition prep was we, we used uh, Robert Sykes's new mm -hmm. bodybuilding book using yep. his macros. And basically, I treated it like gospel through this last show. Yeah. Um, have you ever done a have you ever done a high protein refeed of curiosity? Uh, I do very high protein days in general. I mean, my, my, you know, like, you know, it's, so for instance, I am about 250 pounds. Um, and my daily protein is usually 300 to 400 grams, you know, on a pretty, pretty routine basis. And so that's already pretty high. So I don't know if that would be a refeed day, but that's most of my days there. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's, but I, I haven't done like seven, eight hundred. Well, I mean, I guess I have. I, there's been some days where I've done seven or eight pounds of meat, and that's you know you're looking at seven, eight hundred grams of protein. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't do. I, I typically, usually, I use higher protein in the context of getting leaner. A higher protein percentage, still in a relatively calorically isocaloric or slightly caloric deficit. And then what, where I'll refeed is, is tends to be the fat, you know, and I'm not a bodybuilder. I know I, I'll just put that out there. I don't, but my sport has never been bodybuilding. I, I do bodybuilding exercises. You know, I, I do some of the stuff that bodybuilders do, but I've never had any intention to compete as a bodybuilder. My, my athletic um, interests lie in, you know, different things, you know, whether it was rowing or Highland Games, now jujitsu. That's, that's where I kind of draw my focus. And so it's more about just you know, strengthening myself so I can protect myself from injury and, you know, just kind of keeping lean mass on, lean mass on because it protects you from disease. But as far as hopping up on stage and, you know, getting down a 6% body fat, that's probably nothing that I have an interest in. At least, I don't know, never say never, but <laughs> I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm not proportioned well enough to do that. I've got too long, you know, I'm long and lanky and it's, I'd have to weigh, you know, gosh, 280 pounds to, to be somewhat physically uh, aesthetic you know, in bodybuilding. Right. Cause you're, you're super tall. You are, uh, how tall again? I'm sorry. Well, I'm six foot five. So I'm relatively tall. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you got a couple inches on me and I have a hard enough time beating the small guys anyway, because they got those short muscle bellies and everything. So yeah, you'd have yeah. boy, but, but I would seriously pay thousands of dollars to, to see you step on a bodybuilding stage someday. That would be scary. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be really cool. So maybe, maybe, maybe I get a black belt in jujitsu. I can focus on that. You yeah. Know, well, probably. man, I mean, you've, you're, you're, you're already a, a, a record holding power lifter and, and, and among all the, all the uh, pro rugby player, it's like, come on, you can do one more sport. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying, I'm trying jujitsu is it right now. I'm trying to get good at that. So it's going to take me probably, you know, six to 10 years, I think, to get, you know, to where I'm at the level I want to be. So we'll see. Right. Maybe, so maybe in my sixties, it'll be bodybuilding. We'll see. <laughs> uh, okay. So your, so your macros again on a, on a, on a typical day were um, about three or 400 grams of protein. And do you track your fats at all of curiosity? I, you know, I, again, outside of, I, I, I kind of have a general idea what I'm eating, you know, as far as, you know, like for instance, today I had, a ribeye steak, a New York strip, and a dozen eggs. And so, you know, eggs are six and five or something like that, six of protein, five of fat. So you could just, you know, I can I can kind of calculate it out there, but I'm, I'm not sitting there saying, I really just sort of focus on 
getting enough protein, what I think is adequate protein for me to handle what I'm doing. And then the fat kind of just, you know, it just, it just kind of comes in for energy. You know, if, if I were specifically, you know, cutting for a bodybuilding contest, then I would, then I would do that. But outside of the day-to-day stuff, it's, it's not something I have a big interest in doing. Right. I'm just um, kind of moving some spreadsheets around so that I can um, see what your, see what your, what your, what your macros look like. Just cause- Yeah. It's probably, you know, it's probably something like by calorie 30 of 35% protein, you know, probably 65% fat somewhere, somewhere in that plus or minus five, I'd say something, something in that neighborhood. Right. Okay. Um, are you in ketosis ever, or are you pretty much always running on the, on the glycogen that's converted from the protein that you're eating? I don't think I spend a lot of time in ketosis. You know, if I, uh, if I do one meal a day, which I do occasionally, I might, you know, and if I've worked out really hard, but, but generally probably not, or, or if I am, I'm in a very low level. I, I've never, and I've, I haven't, I, I don't spend a lot of time checking my ketone levels. I've only done it a handful of times and probably eight times out of 10, they're negligible. And then a few times that I've seen it, they've been, you know, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, and a very low levels of ketones. Um, you know, one of the thoughts is that if you sort of chronically adapt to a low carb diet and you do produce ketones, you, you, you just more efficiently utilizing them. So they don't, they don't collect in, the, in your blood where they, where they end up getting wasted. And so when we see people trying to lose fat, they may, you know, they may build up a higher level of ketones, which they end, end up excreting. So they, they excrete those energy calories you know either through urine or sweat or something else and so or in their breath so they end up blowing off or urinating out calories and so that's one of the benefits for ketones in that situation but because i'm generally not i don't carry a lot of body fat i mean i'm not you know like i said i'm not you know sub 10 percent body fat right now but i'm, I'm never like sitting there at 20 percent body fat i'm usually you know somewhere in this 12 14 percent usually where i like to hang out yeah you've been kind of around kind of around there just but must muscular and lean as, yeah. as long as I've been following you for the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty comfortable. I've, I've sat at the same body weight now for at least a decade. I mean, I spent about 20 years at about 285 pounds and, you know, the last, when I dropped, you know, when I, when I finally decided to, to not be 280 pounds anymore, I dropped down into the two thirties and in about three months I went drop 50 pounds and then kind of maintained roughly that, plus or minus about 10 pounds for the last, you know, 10 years. And, you know, when I want to gain weight and get a little stronger, I just eat a little more, you know, which makes sense. I mean, you can certainly gain weight on a carnivore diet. It's not hard. You don't need, you don't need sugar. You don't need to jack your insulin up. Really? Well, I mean, you know, if we want to talk about muscle protein synthesis, you're probably familiar with this, but we know the data on muscle protein synthesis is basically around obviously resistance training, you know, consistent with that. Uh, adequate protein and then beyond that it's just caloric caloric intake and so anyway you can get your calories any way you want them whether it's through fat protein or carbs uh you can you can do that so carbohydrates don't provide any more they don't provide any more insulin that that you would need other than what protein already does so it, it doesn't provide any additive benefit some people argue that carbs may fuel you differently so that you might have more energy to train but i would argue once you're you know pretty fat adapted your training is pretty much pretty solid for the most part 
Hey everyone, Coach Taylor Milton here. Welcome to Skull Bells TV, the official YouTube channel of supersetyourlife.com where you're gonna discover a weekly upload of quick and easy to follow workout tutorials featuring Coach Colt, myself, or one of our athletes to keep your workouts fun, practical, and effective. Our family's latest keto carnivore recipes that fuel Colt's competitions and keep myself and our kiddos strong and healthy. Video uploads of the supersetyourlife.com podcast, now over a hundred episodes your weekly dose of entertainment, education, and inspiration to fuel your life inside and beyond the gym, and much more. Last thing before we get into the video, we're asking a big favor from you. This has been working beautifully, so if you would please think of someone you care about that would benefit from this video, go ahead and smash that like button, click the share button, and text this video to them. That would mean the world to us, and while you're at it, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss more exciting content from School Bells TV because our team has lots of meat and lots of muscle coming your way and I promise you won't wanna miss it. When you hit the subscribe button, you'll see a bell icon pop up. You wanna click that too so you're notified every time we release a new video. Thank you so much for the support, it means the world to us. Every like, share, and subscription helps our channel grow and supports our family's hard work, so thank you so much for doing your part too. That's all we ask. God bless you, and please enjoy this video. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry sorry to change subjects again, but um, I guess we're still on more or less the same subject. Is, yeah, no, it looks like you're eating about 50% of your calories coming from protein and about 50% of your calories coming from fat, um, uh, based on my calculation on the Excel spreadsheets, kind of how I like to do it. But um, have you ever experimented with eating exclusively lean meats like the leanest steak you can get and turkey and chicken and trying to get that protein number up to like 60 or 70 percent yeah i have i have I've, I've done that and that's and, and i'll tendly lean out a little more when I do that. that's how if i want to lean out that's what i'll do but i can only i can only maintain that for a couple of days i mean i can do that for you know like i said three or four days and then it's like i start getting too hungry and that's when I typically will do these fat refeeds. And so that's, huh. that's really how I do that. So if I want, if I personally wanted to drop down to 8% body fat, I would, I would personally do leaner days, um, three or four days. And then I would have a, a fat refeed on day four or something like that. And then just kind of cycle that through until I got to where I wanted to be, which is, I think a little different than how Robert does it. Robert just dials down overall caloric intake and stays pretty high fat the whole time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's uh, what, what you described is personally the way that I would like to do it too. It's actually the exact opposite of what Robert teaches. And it's funny. I mean, you you know, people pit him up against uh, uh, other keto carnivore people and go, oh, well, you're the guy that likes the high fat and no protein. And you're the guy that likes this, that, whoa, 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 don't put words in my mouth, you know, because uh, that's certainly not where he's coming from. But uh, yeah, you're correct. He, 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 would, he would drop protein and increase fat to cut. Um, what you're describing, I'm a huge fan of personally. I've noticed the same thing. I've The, the only complaint that I have, and the only thing that's hard to teach about um, the high protein approach, when you're getting around 60 to 70% of your calories coming from protein is uh, the digestion. Have you found it like, I mean, like you don't work out after you eat three pounds of steak, <laughs> right? Um I'd have to, you know, I, I can't recall having real significant digestive, digestive issues in that situation, but um, it could be. I, I guess I could see where it could be a problem for some people. 
the uh, you know the other you know and, and it's hard to get. I mean, particularly the red meat, it's very difficult to get to those very high percent, you know, protein percentages because even some of the leaner cuts of meat, which um, are, you know, when they get too lean, they almost become unpalatable. <laughs> so it's a hard, it's hard to do in that regard. Although there's, it's interesting, there's a, uh, if not, I don't know if you're familiar with, there's a company called Certified Piedmontese that makes a very lean uh, beef product. Uh, and they are very, very tender and very, very juicy. Uh, so it eats like it's much fattier than it is. It's really surprising. They're, it's interesting, the breed of cattle is missing, uh, you know, or it has a mutation in its myostatin gene. And so these animals get very muscular, but they don't lay down a lot of connective tissue. And so the meat is very tender, despite being extremely lean. You know, I were wanting to do bodybuilding, I wanted to eat lean, and I wanted to eat a lot of red meat and not lean so much on fish and chicken, then I would look at that that particular company, Certified Piedmontese. They're good guys out of Nebraska, and, you know, they, they, they've they got a, a, a nice nice setup, so it's good. It's a good way to do it. Oh, cool. I'll be in Nebraska in three weeks, so that might be a stop that we need to They're outside of Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah, so if, if yeah, I've been I've been to the ranch before, so they're, they're great. It's a... Uh, uh, Joe Finnegan and Shane, I can't remember Shane's last name, but Shane's the owner and Joe's one of the main guys out there, but they're good guys. Mm -hmm. Great. I just, I just made it, I just made a note of that. Um, you were, you were talking about, uh, what's palatable and what's not. If you, uh, if, if you had to, if you had to say your favorite meat just to eat without anything on it, except maybe some salt, uh, organs included, like we're talking heart, we're talking everything, just a steak. What would it be? Yeah, I'd be real. <laughs> Later and so that's my preference to eat. You know, if I you know, eat one food the rest of my life, I can be satisfied eating that. You know, fortunately, we don't have to eat one food the rest of my life. But yeah, ribeyes are uniquely uh, satisfying in that way, particularly from taste standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, rare or well done? How do you do it? I like medium rare. So I mean, I like it to be warm on the inside, a little bit, you know, a little bit of color. But you know, well done to me is. It's, it's it's kind of you know, you're kind of ruining the steak at that point so i i'm definitely in the medium rare or au point or al punto you know whatever you want to call it on point that's how it's that's in my opinion how it's supposed to be cooked you know just like it's on the cover of my book there behind you it's medium rare for sure <laughs> uh so so we get asked this all the time i'm dying to know what your thoughts are on this is uh rare slash even raw i mean I, I eat raw steak raw organs um all the time personally i never recommend it because there's a big liability there obviously um but is that something that you ever do and do you see any health concerns about eating raw meat and organs yeah i mean i've done it and i i did an experiment where i you know did several weeks eating nothing but raw and it, it for me it just wasn't it just didn't work for me i didn't i didn't enjoy it i didn't it wasn't palatable enough and you know, you certainly can lose more weight there because I just find it's harder to, it's harder, harder to consume it. Now I'm a guy that likes to eat quite a bit. And so the volume was more difficult. Um, there are a lot of people that eat raw meat that have always eaten it throughout the world. A lot of cultures, it's, it's, it's very accepted. Um, are there potential problems? Yeah. I mean, there are, there are certainly concerns around contamination. And, and I do know some people that have done a carnivore diet. People have been doing it for many, many years, and they some of them gotten sick, and, and some of them gotten very sick, where they've had very, very severe, you know, gastrointestinal infections, where they had to be on all kinds of antibiotics and mess them up for even, even for a couple of years. And so you just have to be cautious about sourcing it. 
I think to me, I don't see the disadvantage for just doing a quick sear on the outside, particularly for a steak, just to, you know, just do a quick decontamination. Cause that's where, that's where bacteria is going to live on the surface of a steak, you know? And oh, really? So you, could, you just flash hit it real quick. And then if the inside's still raw, you know, you've protected yourself from that. So the inside is usually sterile. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, 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 I think that, you know, like I said, outside of that, if you want to eat raw meat, I think it's fine for most people. Wow. That, that, that's amazing. I had no idea that most of the contaminants would be on the outside. And that's actually very uh, yeah, much of a relief to hear because I, I always sear the outside and just leave the inside raw. It's the best way to eat it. That's fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. You're, you're, you're basically minimizing, almost putting your risk for contamination to zero at that point. Now, ground beef is different because, you know, you've, it's all been ground up. So the surface area is all mixed, but sure. yeah, if there's any contamination on the steak, it's going to be on the surface only. It's not going to be the inside. So, and you know, so you quick sear and you're good. Wow. You, you just, you just changed my life. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you have no idea how happy that made me. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Okay. And then um, the last question that, that we have um, from someone that wrote in was from Ashley Hot, and she lives in, uh, oh, she lives on the East Coast. And I'm so sorry, Ashley, I forgot where that was. But um, she was asking about eggs. There are some influencers, I'm not going to name their names, in the carnivore industries that are very anti-eggs, say that eggs are bad for you. Um, what are your thoughts when someone says that? Uh, I, I don't agree with that, that eggs are necessarily bad for you. I do think there are some people that, that have intolerances to eggs for, for different reasons. Some people will say particularly they have less tolerance to egg whites compared to egg yolks, so there's some of that. And there's some people will say, you know, certain types of eggs are better than others, whether they're pastured and how they're fed. But I think in general, eggs are, you know, relatively speaking, compared to most foods that are available, a, a very nice source of nutrition. Uh, they're a great source of protein, a great source of fat-soluble vitamins and fat. And so I, I consume quite a few eggs. Uh, you know, I've been doing that for many, many years. And most days I eat at least a dozen of them. Um, I, you know, I, but I have seen people where they've, they've gotten into issues with egg sensitivities and egg intolerance. And I think if you're dealing again with some autoimmune disease, eggs could be a culprit. So, you know, I, I just can't blanket across boards that no one should eat eggs because of, because of a few people have trouble with it. Uh, you know, you're, you just have to kind of do your own assessment and see where you're at because they are, they are, you know, very affordable and very, very nutrient dense source of, of, of nutrition for a lot of people. It's, you know, for, you know, cheap source of protein, a high quality source of protein, and you've got you know a lot of things like choline and some of these other uh, products in there that, that that are very well concentrated in eggs, which are beneficial in many cases. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then I was worried that was going to happen. You got another. You got another podcast to get onto. So um, I guess that's it for for today. <laughs> Um, has the, the la la last thing real quick is, has, um, ha has focusing on health and fitness and on, um, ma and making meat, um, a, a key, a core foundation of your life. Has that, has that made you a, a better dad, a better business person, just better in other areas of life that you'd have that solid foundation and that you've been consistent with it for a number of years now? Yeah, I mean, it's given me more focus for sure. And it's, you know, it's given me a lot of, uh, passion and it's a lot of excitement because I see, you know, it's, 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 you know, I just see all the benefit that's out there and all the people that are, um, 
you know, being so positively influenced by some of the work I'm doing and, and others like me are doing. And so it's very inspiring. So it kind of gets me motivated to do that. So in that, in that regard, yeah. And then of course, you know, being healthy and physically fit and, you know, having, you know, normally functioning cognitive abilities or, or you know, good cognitive abilities certainly has been beneficial. So anyway, yeah. thanks Colt. It's been a pleasure, man. Unfortunately, like I said, I got to, I got to cut out, but thank you so much. Got, got, got to bounce. Got it. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for changing our lives. I appreciate it, man. Take care. I'll see. I'll talk to you down the road. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Hey podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on, on this entire episode. If you found this helpful or entertaining, which I'm sure that you did, please share this with a friend, subscribe, like the channel, all that jazz. Thank you again so very much. Um, one last thing is we are going to play a quick audio clip of Wendy eddie from minnesota she is a new client that's been on our plan for a week and she's just gonna give a quick little blurb about oh how things have been going and then we'll call it an episode this is not something that i asked her to say um, this is just a conversation that she had in our, in our in our daily conversations and i just asked i was like hey is it okay if we share this on the podcast that was really nice and she was like absolutely anything any anything for you guys so Thank you again so much, Wendy. God bless you. And yeah, here's Wendy. I would love to be able to go to your gym. I guess I'll have to move out there. Thank you so much for all the information, all the support. And I think you guys are amazing. Uh, obviously, I, I wouldn't be doing this with you if I didn't feel comfortable and feel like you two were... I don't know. I just, I tell people, it's just amazing how all this came about and how it all happened. And here we are. And I'm just excited to do the workouts. Um, it's 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 great. I'm just really super juiced to get to a good point again. Thanks for that, Wendy. God bless you. Thanks again to Mr. Sean Baker and uh, for all of our podcast listeners. All glory to God for everything, all the blessings that He's been giving us and uh, all, all of our clients, all of our listeners. So love you all so much. And with that, uh, we'll see you next week. All right, I'm gonna go eat myself a steak.